Got everything. All right. Lights, camera, and action. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Lone Wolf Podcast. I'm your host, Wolfson. And today's episode, we got a motherfucking special in the building. That's right. This motherfucking guy is one of my closest brothers in the music industry. There's no other person other than this guy and a few others that we've been bringing on to the podcast show that I can trust. And we've been through together. I've seen this motherfucker ever since he was with me at school, graduated together. And I told him once that this guy was going to be the next Skrillex. And he's already, <laughs> already getting close to that top. Right? <laughs> he, like, beware, Skrillex. He's on you, you know? <laughs> Everybody, please say hello to my brother, the one and only best multi-genre and stiff meister persona. Nitty gritty, what's going on? Drop the air bonds. Let's go. What up? What up? The best intro I've ever heard. That's insane, bro. That's how we do it here in the Lone Wolf podcast, man. When we bring a guest right here, I want that motherfucking energy, bro. I'm gonna have like sound effects on every single fucking guest. You know, we'll get putting shots. We're having <laughs> reggae horn. We're gonna have this the snake. What was it? The snake uh, Metal Gear Solid. What was the sound? What? Yeah, like the... <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what yeah, you're talking you know. about. Wow, I forgot about that game. That's crazy. Bro, what was the last time you actually played a video game like that? Don't you have like no, a no. bunch of uh, consoles now? No, I bought a um, I bought a PlayStation 2 over quarantine. It was awesome. Best decision I ever made. Oh, that's what's up. Why, what games you got over there? Uh, I bought... um The first one I bought was Midnight Club 2 and 3. Midnight Club, like, dub edition. Jesus. Remix, so good. And then I like Need for Speed Underground, Tony Hawk's Underground. What else? I, I got some crazy stuff. Because I, I, the PlayStation 5 came out and nobody could get it. And I was like, well, I'm going to go backwards. So I went back to PlayStation 2. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way to do it. You know, everybody's paying $500 for a PlayStation. And you're just like, man, 20 bucks for this PlayStation 2. A couple games. Worth it. Actually, you'd be surprised. I got the fat PlayStation because they're more rare. And then oh. like Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk Underground and Midnight Club and Need for Speed. Oh, Battlefront 2, Star Wars were all unopened in plastic. I They were like a hundred bucks each. Money. What? Because they're so rare. If you get like an unopened PlayStation 2 game, it's so rare. So I was like, I was like, yeah, let me get the new one. Money. Crazy. And that's the only PlayStation 2 games you got available right now? No, no, you can get you whatever you can find, you can play. But I just wanted like the ones that I wanted because they're really popular. So it was like tough to find like ch any cheap ones because everybody like holds on to them. So it was pretty crazy. Well, I mean, you're you're in luck, my man, because I actually have all my PlayStation 2 games. So if you ever want to play Metal Gear Solid, all the all the Metal Gear Solids that I got on PlayStation 2 and Shit, I think I got some fighter games too. I don't know. I, I know I got a lot of Konami games. Oh, uh, that's dope. That's dope. So, you know, it's all I got to do is just drop it off to your place and, you know, enjoy your free time with video games, man. Yes, sir. I mean, then again, I say free time whenever you got a free time because according, yeah. according to many people, you don't have a free time. Is that correct? Depends. Now that, uh, now that shows are coming back, it's less. It always gets less and less. How was it with you before before the whole thing got shut down, you know? I mean, it was a lot. It's like, you're exactly like you're saying, you don't have much free time. I balanced it pretty well. None of my team or management would ever let me overdo it, but it still was like 
a lot. You know what I mean? So it was kind of a cool year off to just like do whatever I wanted. I, I did play video game, played some Call of Duty and played some some stuff and just like, you know, do whatever I wanted and relax, not have to like wake up early flights all the time and do this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm back at that now again, as you can see, had yeah. to do that nice early flight this morning. So, yeah, that that uh, that old nostalgia back of, you know, traveling all around the world now. Yeah, it's back. <laughs> <laughs> so during that pandemic, let me ask you, is at any given time, did it ever affected you financially? Yeah, I mean, the, the money I lost was made basically all the touring money, which would have been even more significant because now Sidepiece is touring and mm-hmm. Nitty Gritty was touring. So mm-hmm. it's basically two tourings gone. And then for like, you know, Nitty, I had like a Swisher sponsorship and there could have been like little stuff like that. But um, luckily I, I produce obviously music for other people and some of that ghost production, co-production and all mm-hmm. that all that other types of music I did basically kept me afloat and was like the the main source of my income. Oh, so you were okay. You were, you know, like you weren't. Yeah, I was working. Well, that's good to hear, man, because like, yeah. it, it's sad, you know, during the pandemic that I see some of our homies in the industry that really their basing income comes from only touring, you know, when it comes to yeah. music, it was like a secondary thing, you know, but then when it all shut down, it's like, oh shit. And I've seen so many people I kid you not, so, so many people, and I've seen it on Facebook and Instagram, doing private touring lessons, you know, going to Ubers and shit and whatnot just to make ends meet, man. Yeah, I did. Um, I did some Twitch, too. That actually I did it for like two months and I was starting to make like, you know, thousand, two thousand dollars a month on Twitch. <laughs> but it wasn't it, it was like it was the amount of stuff I was doing. I had to keep up. And then when I started having to like start getting my music together mm. for, you know, the end of the pandemic and coming into shows and stuff. I, I took a break from that, but I mean, I actually enjoyed it. It wasn't even just for the money. I had a good time on Twitch and I just like made random shit and uh, played uh, mainly just did like Ableton stuff. And I remember like Cinco de Mayo last year, I was like on Twitch drunk, making a beat that I, that I still play to this day. <laughs> so that was a fun one. I think I remember that last single de Mayo with you on it. Oh, hold on. You lost me on the single de Mayo because I'm just remembering some of the things you just did. I was like, (laughs) one of the things I was actually about to ask is like, all right, so what do you say you normally would do at Twitch? And you just answer for me with the Ableton stuff. Now, have you ever thought about, you know, doing what normally what other people do in Twitch, you know, string games like, you know, with the PlayStation 2 or shit like that, you know, make it retro shit. Yeah, I mean, my thing is I try and do things really like on purpose. And when I play mm. PlayStation 2, I'm on purpose trying to enjoy myself. I'm not trying to be at work or do all the stuff or mm. or be streaming. So when I do ever go back to that, I mean, I'm actually my this studio I'm in in my house, I'm building like I have this like car set up for like like a steering wheel. Yeah. And that's really fun. And I've considered thinking about that again for streaming. But uh, I honestly deleted Call of Duty off my PC. So I don't even have it anymore. Um, I'm back in work mode. I really just have the PlayStation, like my PS4, PlayStation 2, if I want to like play a video game or something. Right. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of out of the game right now. So That's when, fine. once the whoring comes back and I'm good and we're chilling, we make our, you know, we make our money and I have time to like sit back and relax and, and do some streaming because I enjoy it. That's why I'll do it. Not necessarily to like make ends meet because, oh, okay. 
you know, I, I make way more money personally doing music because I'm better at that. I didn't really build Twitch the same way. If I was a huge Twitch streamer, obviously mm-hmm. I would reconsider, but um, I, I want to be a, a touring, you know, artist, not a Twitch streamer. So that'll come secondary and then I'll enjoy it too, because it's not, you know, I think that's why I enjoyed it because I'd never did it before. And I wasn't like, you know, trying so hard to make money. It was really just because I I, I kind of wanted to do it. So I want to do it like that again, where I'm enjoying it, not, not to work. That's actually the best feeling to do when you're actually passionate and loving something that you're not being forced to do it. You're not being forced upon it and you just enjoy it even more. That actually resembles me a lot when I started this podcast, because mm-hmm. I started to enjoy just talking even if it's just me with the camera just talking to myself and i yeah. and i look at myself on it and i was like damn i spent literally 40 minutes just talking to myself <laughs> i mean it's funny in a, in a sense but it gets me a lot of joy and i tell you it's it's a whole it makes me a whole lot happier when i'm doing this podcast than i've ever done when i was djing and you know how much i love djing yeah. and pr- making music i stopped making music a whole year like i went on a hiatus completely i just went on on this podcast thing because well i got heavily influenced with a bunch of podcasts because i've been listening to them for many years and then at one point i'm like i like talking to myself no i like i don't have anybody to talk to like most of the time i have to wait to somebody to talk to it, and then i could just unload all the shit i got and <laughs> yeah and then i said to myself you know what fuck it let's just let me just talk to myself and see how it goes. You know what I mean? And it's <laughs> making me, I've never been any happier, man. Like the words are undescribable at that point. That's amazing. I mean, that's a passion then because you, you get to talk about things you like, which is probably why it brings you so much joy. Yeah. Because you're literally just having conversations about shit that you either want to, you know, enjoy or yeah. even stuff that's funny or, you know, what I, I know how like when you're enjoying something that makes it not work. So I feel you on that. Yeah, absolutely, bro. Now, I actually want to go back to go back in time into the past a little bit, you know, for one of the earliest times that we met each other. And I do agree um, an aspect that I do remember about you is that when you were working extremely hard, we were telling you, yo, chill out, bro. Take a (laughs) break, like go out, play video games, do exercises, do something. You're like, no, I'm good. So walk me back. Why is it that you felt like, you know, it was it was a must that I have to stay home and produce instead of, you know, going now and do other stuff? I mean, I just wanted it so bad. Like, I think when I met you, I was uh, moving between places at one point. Yeah, it's like when I was just in that I had this first like shitty apartment in Wynwood and I would just be in there and I was like, well, this is this is cool. I'm, I'm grateful I have this place, but I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to get out of here and and just work so hard on this music thing that I can, you know, afford to get better things and then afford to get nicer instruments, better speakers, Mm. equipment. And then um, once it finally started, you know, getting a little bit of results and having people like my music, it was even more of a fire where like, oh, wow, I'm close. I can I can do this. So when I got to SAE was kind of that moment where like I was close. Mm. It was just a couple little things that had to piece together to get on the road touring be become you know an actual touring act and that's i think i just like i couldn't get it out of my head it's like now that i did that two years three years of building nitty-gritty it was easier for me to take a break because i was like ah okay i'm i'm where i want to be and i took a break and now i have that same like i'm ready to go again thing because we got you know side piece and nitty both rolling right. so 
it was, I think it was just that reason of like, I, I, there's nothing else I want to do. I want to make it in this and hyper-focus on that. You know what I mean? That's cool, man. I love, I love hearing that. Now, let me ask you, you think that if you've never gone to SAE, you think you would still make it or you would be a little bit far behind? No, I definitely still, I, I just know myself. It doesn't matter what like circumstance I know I would have done it. Mm. I just don't know the speed or, you know, me, I'm happy I went there because the people, you know, I met Mike there who obviously, you know, is on my actual management team. Shout out I to met, Mike. Yeah, exactly. And then I met you, I met, um, you know, Frank, both the Franks and, um, uh, I remember I met Charlie, yeah. your, your good friend. And just, you know, there's a lot of people there that I could mention that I, I still actually, you know, see every once in a while and keep in touch with. So that's like, that's my favorite part about SE is like, I kind of was already knowing how to produce, but mm -hmm. the questions I was able to ask and some of the stuff and the stories I was able to hear kind of gave me more influence to just keep going instead of, it was like a good environment to just be like, yo, like, oh, we're all here. Who's going to make it? I want to be one of the people that makes it. You know what I mean? And you were definitely one of the people that made it. At least, I, I'm not capping. As I was looking back at our graduation, out of all the people that we do know, only few that I can that can top of my head, I know they made it. You are definitely one of the highest ones, like like the top notch that actually am. Like you are like, oh shit, this guy's like that level, you know? <laughs> Everyone else, like including myself, we're like. Semi made it. We're like, we're right there. We're still bouncing, but we're still in. We haven't left. And then you yeah, got I mean, the whole bunch of other people that, you know, that unfortunately they fall off, you know? Yeah. It's, it's tough to keep going in, in music unless you, you know, it's, without some type of success, it is really difficult to keep going. But I mean, pushing through that is the half the battle. Right. I mean, it's all, you know, building yourself, like having a thick skin and, persevere yourself and never give it up and have that patience all in once, you know, just, just to get it through. But unfortunately, like not many people are very patient. I, like I could tell, like the majority of people that were in my class, they were only in it just to get the money. Like I need something that I can get a quick crash grad so I can make thousands and, you know, and go off. And then that's, and to my point of view, that's like the worst way to look at it because I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it because I love what I'm doing, you know, and thankfully I can make a career out of it, you know, but all mm -hmm. these people, they, they all just, you know, it's sad, you know, it's sad like they're, they're in it for the wrong reasons. And I always tell people, it's like, guys, if you're not passionate for audio or music or even video in that regards, then the industry is not in it for you because anybody can just make a beat. What makes yours stand along with, you know, the thousands that are in quote unquote competition with you, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Now, I do remember that when I met you, I was in house. I was in that big room fever era, you know, when that when that was out. And when I met you, you were like literally the only one that was into EDM in in, in <laughs> general in music. Yeah, because anybody else that I can ask, everybody's like, nah, we're to trap or hip hop or rap. It's like, fuck me. And, you know, like I can't ask for feedback. And then you came out of nowhere. And then you show me, you gave me some feedback. And I was like, like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> I want him. I want to be his BFFF. <laughs> and, you know, it ended up being, you know, we're BFFFFs for life, you know. <laughs> but I remember that you were originally by your name. That was your stage name. Ricky yeah, Ricky Mears. Mears. Yep. 
So what actually led up for your persona from being Ricky Mears to Nitty Gritty? Like, how did that go? Um, it was basically just a brand like reset where like I never really discovered the like voice, I guess, for the Ricky Mears stuff. Mm. Or I mean, I, I did, but it just wasn't like wasn't really clicking with at the level or speed that that I wanted. And um, when I met uh, Paul, my other manager, we had a talk with Cheryl. It was, you know, obviously my first manager that that I'm still with. And um, we we all sat down, us three. We we're just like, I mean, if you want to go, do, can you do electronic music A? And do you want to tour? Can you be a DJ? And I was like, yes, 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 and yes. And then that's when it was just a whole reset. Like, all right, start making music. We'll think of the name while you make the music. And I pretty much had the songs ready to go. Mm. I think within like a month. Like, I don't remember it taking me that I long. Agree. I mean, like. I made like three songs. Yeah. Once, once we had the name, it kind of just started all clicking, got the Instagrams, got the Twitters. Like I remember when all that shit was at zero still. So it's funny how like going from like, I was, and I remember being so like, I was like, damn man, I had like 9,000 followers on SoundCloud for Ricky Mears. And I had to start all over. And like, it's like funny to think that I, I really like cared about missing out on that when Nitty's like way bigger than that now. So like does it didn't even matter. But it's funny because I was like scared to like let go of my first project. But mm. it obviously it worked out. And um now the same thing's happening with side piece like where we built it from zero and it's already, you know, on its legs. And it's like you risk it. You're like, all right, can we really do this? And then when it pays off, you're just like, wow, I can't believe we uh we put our mind to something and, and it kind of came to fruition. So that that was what happened with Ricky Mears. The other cool thing is like I finally now have a purpose for it, and it's gonna be like a whole different vibe of music. So it that is gonna get rebranded as well. I don't know when, but I have like literally music video shot and like ten songs of a whole new style of it. Of Ricky Mears? Yes, but it doesn't sound like what it used to sound like. It's very different. Really. Yeah, they're they're tentative. Not all of them are finished, but there's uh I guess the closest thing I could say is like maybe mixing like the Arctic monkeys with like two feet with like a little bit of electronic stuff, but like very like rock, like more life. Yeah, I mean it's I don't know. I guess I'll just have to like show you eventually because I'm not releasing any of it uh super right. soon. Yeah, it's I'm I'm really excited for it, which is good because it comes full circle that the thing that I put on my real name like ricky mears had to have been something i'm super passionate about and has nothing to do with anything like you know like nitty-gritty is me just trying to be a fun-ass dj and have a good time and side piece we're making house music and then ricky mears will be just exactly whatever whatever i want in my head with the rock stuff that's how that's what i'm allowed to make so there's no like you know not there's really many like blocks for nitty because i can make anything as well but we're kind of cracking down on on that as well so i can continue to like you know build on some of this stuff but yeah eventually i'll have that passion project where it's really just me in my own head and a couple of guitars and drums and stuff that's dope man i honestly cannot wait the way you're describing your project your rebirth of ricky mears it sounds more of a an artist that is doing its thing. Like, that's a Ricky Mears. When yeah. people are listening to that song, it's like, you can't define by genre. Like, oh yeah, that's a genre of this or that or no, no. It's, that's Ricky Mears. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, Porter Robinson. You know, like, yeah. oh yeah, that's a Porter Robinson song. You, you don't know what genre is Porter Robinson. You just know that it's, it's him. It's him. That's, yeah, that's exactly. 
that's the vision that I'm right now looking at at you when you're saying that stuff about your old artist name as Ricky Mears. And I'm actually looking forward to it, man. I honestly cannot wait to hear some of that stuff, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. No, I'll definitely send you some off the off the record. Shots fire. Reggae beats. Reggae horn. Let's go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, why melodic dubstep? Why is it that you started from Ricky Mears as melodic dubstep and not any other genre that you can, you know, mess around with, you know? Um, I think it, that's that's mainly because my favorite artists and styles I liked were basically like that. So it was like one of the first things I got good at was playing the chords and like some emotional stuff because I came from bands where I would play like emo guitar and weren't you um, in Yardage, right? Yeah, I was I was in a band called Yardage. Yeah, just playing playing a lot of instruments that were like kind of rock based and and then finding out this like melodic side of dubstep, which mm -hmm. I, I had already liked, but when I found that it was like it clicked more to just have these actual songs where there's melodies and pianos and synths. And I really, really enjoy, I actually still love that music a lot. So when I made like the seven lions remix with him and got to work with like above and beyond, those are like some of my favorite times. So it's not, um, it's never gone. And even as nitty actually, you know, I feel like where, where I belong is a little bit of, um, melodic dubstep esque stuff. And I have some coming out that are mixed with like stuff. Like there's two songs I'm really excited about for nitty that are kind of like that. One is like, very very melodic dubstep ricky like old ricky mirror so i think you're gonna Ooh. like that yeah Ooh. Ooh. that's gonna be good i'm pumped i'm pumped <laughs> Ooh, i can't wait yes sir oh man going back to the old roots man i told you when i sent you that picture of, that i was playing one of your songs in my car i was like i'm still waiting for some of this bro i want to hear yeah. some of that 100 i mean as a multi-genre as such as yourself, I'm surprised that you still haven't, you know, like got to that melodic dubstep, even though you basically tackle all the other genres, you know? Yeah. So I believe it's a long overdue for me. For me. I don't yeah, I, no. I don't speak for the fans. I could care less. I'm only it's only for me because I want to hear more of your stuff. You yeah. Know? But now, have you heard of the the new wave? Or it's not so new, but it's been coming out in the past couple of months, the whole new wave of future rhythm or color base. Yeah. Have you ever considered, you know, messing around with it? Or do you know how to mess around with that stuff? So I haven't really made a bunch personally. I feel like it sounds amazing. And I, and I play some of it like the Papa Khan record. I actually, he said, I, I like DM'd him for Rain, that one record a while ago. And I thought it was so sick. So I, I still have in like Ace Aura, I have like a mashup where I play one of his records, but um, yeah, I guess now for Nitty, it's less about jumping on trends than I used to like always want to be like, oh, this is cool. Let me learn how to do it. I guess now I'm really trying to transfer Nitty to just be the most fun. Like I'm, I don't want to play the like battle. Why? Like, why am I going to battle a bunch of dubstep DJs? Like that's, that's not my purpose really mm -hmm. is to, I don't really want to be the guy that's like, oh, I'm like excision anymore you know what i mean if 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 there's any people i want to be like it's more like the skrillexes and the diplos and the dj snakes because i love i want to make big pop records as well and, and fuse them in and mm. play my britney spears and then still drop a crazy heavy dubstep song just because i can so like i i guess i'm more been focusing on creating just anything that i feel like can can bridge the gap between me and this like main stage play where i can actually do exactly what i want and play all those genres i think it's like the best spot for it 
So I've been really like the next like couple like 10 songs are like they're coupled up where they're there's two like this, two like this, two like this, two like this, two like just to like kind of like spread it out. And I'm really excited for that. So it's it's been fun. I I I think what I what I move into now is just appreciating other people's stuff and I play it. If I like it, I play it. Um okay. I don't always try and like copy and make it because I just I used to do that, but it would take up so much of my time mm. that it's it's tough. And then I spent all this time learning somebody else's shit. I didn't even spend time creating my own. So like I guess instead of just trying to, you know, go off of like, oh, I'm gonna make a Murata dubstep song and then I'm gonna make a Joyride House song. I was like, let me just make fucking nitty gritty shit. And if I have influences from it, that's fine. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to like kind of come to terms with for Nitty. I mean, as long as I remember, even from the earliest stages of you as Nitty Greedy and every time we practice, you know, those back to backs, you have like a done when it comes to mixing a genre from a different genre and it somehow makes sense. <laughs> like... As long as I can remember, I remember that one of your early edits when you were DJing your early stages, you had a fucking Michael Jackson song with a hard trap drop. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that when everybody hears Michael Jackson, everybody's singing it. And all of a sudden when they hear that build up coming, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then just yeah. like, like, as long as I remember, you were always like that. I don't know how you do it. You just have that done that you can just have so many shit all at once and it's funny because many people try and attempt to do stuff like that and not many have succeed you know people always try to do some edits and having some little songs in between those dubstep songs you know how they get most of most of the time it's hip-hop and trap songs mixture with dubstep or house and you know and they make it happen you know but not the level of you where you actually can make and take out a pop song into a heartbeat mm -hmm. song like a rub. That's it's, to me, that's just fun. amazing. Yeah. I mean, I honestly enjoy that. I think that's why I've been so focused and excited to like almost do it for myself instead of just edits. Now it's like, Hey, like I want to have a big, huge pop song and then I'll do a remix to it if I want. You know what I mean? And that's how all your sets are. You never have a set that's just like, two or three genres. Now, you always have like every song is just bangers from different genres all of them now matched up and you just yeah. make it happen. What's your success out of that? Like how you transition from that from the beginning all the way to how you finish it? Um, I think I have finally kind of like a similar style of, of a set where I like starting like pretty heavy because like once the crowd is like there and they're initiated and they're excited, Mm -hmm. It's really, it's, you know, it's easy to just drop something fun, heavy, and then like double time stuff. And then once, uh, literally once I feel tired and I'm sweating, I'm like, okay, I need a break. That's when I break it down into, you know, the 160s or the all the way down to 100 and then back up to the house stuff. And then, you know, at the end, typically some like future bass or some sing along some, mm. um, but yeah, it's kind of like a, it kind of depends on how I'm feeling, but where I've, I've, I've changed it around a million times, but it usually is that kind of like, you know, get people excited and tired it out, break it down a little and then come back up. That's very interesting. You know, like, I feel like one of my, the ways how I usually, then again, I'm not, I've only headlined like twice in my life. So it may be different from you because in my perspective, I always and the one to open up for the for the main headliner, you know? Yeah. So obviously I cannot go ahead and start heavy. I just or start soft and then work 
are way heavy. Usually I have to like, you know, get that out of the way so that way I can go go big and then just go so 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 that way yeah. you know, I can just like transition it to the first person, you know? Yeah. Have you ever had in your headline shows, in your own shows or festivals, have you ever had anybody who's ever tried to outplay you or try to sound louder than you in sense of DJing perspective? I mean, I've definitely had those. Not everybody is like you where they open and like, oh, here, I'm going to go and let you off. Like a lot of kids just like go hardest. The last song they played was a rhythm song, super hard. But like I always differentiate and separate it by doing the opposite. So if they start, they ended with a super heavy song, I'll be like, fine, I don't care. Britney Spears, you know what I mean? Or, you know, what? I'll play something like I have so many intros. Like I have right. like Frank Sinatra or like, I don't know, like the most random intros, like a Kanye song, like something to clear the air. Like you just listen to a bunch of like, you know, half mediocre rhythm. Let me just relax your taste buds for a second. Cause like, it's more about the separation. I like for people to be like, Whoa, what's that guy? Why did he play that? And then go fuck him up and, and play my hard <laughs> shit. You know, at least there's a, a breather. So I don't even care who's before me. I found ways to make it, you know, okay. That, you know, okay, that's fine. You can play as hard as you open soft. Or if, you know, if they, if they did do it, you know, in a more like soft way and they were like cool about it and played some house and maybe some twerk or whatever, then I'll just be like, all right, cool. You, you set it off for me. I'll just go hard immediately right now. Um, but I've had to like deal with everything under the sun. So I've found a way to just like separate myself between, you know, having to either start like this or start hard, you know, there's just always a way to handle it. And it's like, at this point I'm used to it. So I just don't even care. Like you could try and outdo me, but I'll just, it's not about outdoing. I just do something different. That's yep, it. Yep. That's see, That's the mentality. I try to get to you, man. When I, when I was trying to help you out, man, on the DJing, that's the mentality, bro, because there's so many people that they want to try to do, outdo you and they just want to go on competition. Most of the time, what I do is like, okay, you did that. I, I, I welcome challenge. Yeah. So if you try to be big, bigger than me before I start, okay, I'm going to go even bigger than that. And I'm going to mm. go do completely different shit that nobody would expect. It. That's yeah. a great mentality. Now, I'm pretty sure you had this issue like probably once or twice or maybe more. Who knows? Have you ever encountered somebody playing a song of yours or edit a song of yours or remix a song of yours in their sets before you play? It's actually, I can't even remember a time that's happened. I, I think maybe once or twice mm. just because I have so many edits. So um, it's like, I can't really be, it's never like, oh, they dropped. I think one time someone like dropped crack or something by accident. And I was like, all right, that was, that was annoying. But mm. it's like, maybe three times ever surprisingly it's not it hasn't been that much so yeah i mean I, i don't really i've never had like a huge problem with that okay that's actually a good respect yeah yeah and i've yeah and i played a lot so it's not yeah. i'm being honest it hasn't been that bad well that's good you know because I, usually i don't see that here in south florida unfortunately yeah i see a lot of people that play other people's music in, before the people's playing i'm like <laughs> bro like why do we start beefs like what's the so whole point stupid. So like, ser seriously, this is literally an unwelcome beef to happen. You know, what's the issue? Why is it now the era of the clout? Like, you know, I'm biting. That's what it is. Like, no idea. I don't know. Like, in all honesty, if I ever had somebody playing my music before I play, I will get a little bit annoyed. But then again, I'll just like, I'll play it again in a different in a different part of my set and so I can make it sound even bigger. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
Now, out of the all the genres that you create on a daily basis, which one do you actually really tend to incline the most as nitty gritty? Um, I mean, that's tough. I feel like because also I'm like resetting right now. I'm like trying to repick that idea. But I guess in the past, I've really enjoyed making um, some of like the the nitty gritty like trap and hip hop stuff where I kind of like do my little rap thing mm-hmm. and then um, hush 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 man. yeah stuff like that and like some of the future space that I make I really enjoy that sometimes those are hand in hand some of the trap with the future base and yeah. then um, obviously like the the fun heavy like jump dubstep you know tear out stuff and then I'd say like some of the nitty gritty house stuff is really fun those are like my three favorite to like kind of do for nitty I'd say hey, that's dope man so now that you're actually going back to the touring life, first off, are you excited? Yeah, no, dude. It's, I'm tired from a show last night with Side Piece. So like, I'm happy to be like this. <laughs> so on that touring life, what's it all about? You know, like when do you start touring? When do you come back? And what are the stuff that you do, do when you're doing on your tour? Like, tell me more about that lifestyle. So, I mean... When I say touring, 99% of the time we go out for a cup, like one or two or three shows and then come home. So you're not like old school touring where you're just stuck on a, on a, on a bus. I have done that with, with uh, Slushy on his tour. We did a, a bus. Mm-hmm. So it was like really fun to experience. Had a good time. Um, pretty tiring. But uh, most of the time, you know, when stuff will come back, it'll probably be like, okay, you have this IP show, this nitty show. And then you go do two or three shows on the weekend and then you come back home. And then maybe one week, it'll be so far away in LA. So I go work in LA in between. And then I do two weekends in a row. And then if I'm in like Australia or Asia, I can do, you know, like a whole three weeks or, you know, four weeks because, you know, you're trying to knock out all the tour at once. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's basically going to be something similar to that again. But now there's like an added project. So it's going to be, you know, not hectic, but a little bit more um, with, with side piece added on. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun doing just all the uh, all the old stuff that I was able to do for Nitty and then having something new with Side Piece is going to be great. And then, yeah, also creating the whole new vibe for Nitty is going to be half the battle as well. So I'm excited to like try some new sets. Yeah, because something about having Nitty Greedy and then having Side Piece, have you ever had the fear that, you know, one day I may actually be double booked? Oh, yeah, but I mean... That's like pretty easy to like my agent can easily do that before it even happens. So like he wouldn't even book it. It's pretty much at that point, which one is better for which project. If it's like a side piece show, that's like a huge festival and then any shows in like a club, you know, probably take that. Or if it's like a side piece club show and it's like, I, we've already played there or whatever. And then the nitty show is in a big market. Like I have to play like a good LA show back or a, Mm. a good, you know, something I'm, you know, it's just really dependent on that. Um, so it's, I'm, I leave that up to my, to my team. I mean, they know what they're doing, so I, I don't think we're going to have any issues with that. No, of course. I'm, I'm just saying, because, you know, like at the, the way I'm looking at you, uh, you're already climbing up the ladder and getting to that, you know, getting to that status of the DA snakes, the Diplos and, uh, and the Skrillet says like, you're getting to that ladder. Most of the time, these guys are on a yearly basis. I remember Skrillet's. When I had those five minutes of conversation with him, which was like, wow to me, he told me that he has like out of 365 days, he has 300 shows and sometimes are in the same day. 
Yeah. So they just like go, you know, I did this show, fly, fly to another show like that. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, cons- have you have like had a plan in case that ever happened? Like, let's, we're, we're, I'm just speculating, but I'm just saying, you know, it's always good to be prepared for whatever throws out at you. So if in case of something like that, have you guys had ever thought about that or planned something about that? I mean, the way it's set up, it's already like ready. Like we already are super, like my whole team has a, an entire, you know, lock on it where I get the schedule, put it in with the agent and then book the flights, get the hotel. It's like, it's already like set up to do that. So the more shows added, obviously a little bit more busy, but mm-hmm. the whole infrastructure of my my team is already perfectly running and set up. So that's, it's, it's going to be, you know, normal for us to do it. Obviously it's not easy. It takes more work, but um, you know, that's what we're prepared to do. We, we did it before. So now we're just adding on a, a little bit more um, work to it, but I think it's, it's going to be, you know, we're prepared for it for sure. That's good to hear, man. Now I want to shift a little bit from the touring aspect of, are there, are, times during your tour that you actually eat or have a decent sleep or drink or do you actually drink like drink drink as alcohol drink in during the during your tour shows yeah yeah i mean nothing like crazy though like it's you gotta basically the way i look at it is i try to like when touring's crazy 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 Mm. i try to only if i'm gonna have a drink or do something it's only on like a a show occasion or something. And then when I come home, I try and like chill out or, or vice versa. Maybe if the show, like sometimes me and Jeremy just don't even drink. We just, I take the bottle home and I just, you know, collect my 1942, whatever, no problem. (laughs) And then like yesterday I worked out before the show. And so it's just, it's more of a balance, like being healthy and, and working out and getting sleep. Obviously I didn't get much sleep, but you know, the other two I did decent on where, you know, I just had a, you know, two or three drinks, got home, could kind of took a nap. You know, we had the workout, had some good food, nothing crazy. I don't really after party or do a bunch of drugs or, you know, do all this stuff while I'm on tour anyways. So Mm. I try to just balance it because I I want to be able to play 300 shows a year and not die. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're going crazy and partying every single night, like that's too much. You know what I mean? Like we used I remember when we first like got on Delta and got like the the upgrades to first class from our like the uh what's it called like all the like the tiers of Delta on yeah. the flights. Once we got to like Diamond, there was like free alcohol on the planes, and we would like in the beginning, oh man, we would be like, oh this is lit. We would get drunk on the plane. It was so fun. It was so fun. And then now like I can't remember the last time I drank on a plane because it's like you get to the point where like all right, I got it like. You got to decide, do I want to be drinking this much or do I not? And like, obviously you don't want to be doing that. So like, I like it's free and we can usually if we want, but like now I save it for like, if we're going to Asia on a really long flight, we'll just, we'll just both, you know, like get drink a bunch of like red wine on the plane and watch like Godzilla's, you know, something with a bunch of movies, (laughs) whatever has like a bunch of movies in in a row. Just like you have to watch like four or five movies just to get to China. It's crazy. Jesus Christ. You know, yeah. golly. It's like what? Like 12 hours? Like a whole day, right? Yeah. When that's only one flight, there's there's usually two or three flights. So like you get like the big one is usually like, yeah, like a big 12 to 15. And then you get like a three and a four, something like that. Yeah. Fuck me, bro. Yeah, it's crazy. How you manage to do that? I just got used to it. I mean, it was a lot in the beginning and 
and you're just on a plane for so long. But I mean, I've, I've, I've done it a bunch of times for Australia and Asia and Thailand. Um, so it, it's not the funnest thing in the world, but you know, you get used to it. Now, does that take a toll out of you? Have, or have, let me rephrase that. I'm sorry. Has it ever take a toll out of your physical body and your mental health overall? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty like resilient, I guess, from being excited to do it and already be there that I was like, I, I was prepared for it. The only mental health thing I think is that when you get there, you're just like so tired. You're just like, I call it like travel depression. It's like, I'm not even, I, I don't struggle with that a lot. I, I, I tend to, you know, mm. keep myself in balance and talk to anybody if I need to. But like, there's like a whole nother random one where you get there. You're like, wow, why am I even a DJ? What am I doing? Like you're on the <laughs> airplane. You're like, fuck this is pointless. <laughs> um, so that's just like a whole, you know, homesick thing where like, to me, there's no, like, I love, I've been in a lot of places and I mm. still love America. I still love coming home to Florida. It's just my favorite place to be. So, you know, you get that like homesickness. You're like, I wish I was at my couch doing nothing right now. <laughs> yeah, You know what I mean? So that's really the only like the travel like bug of like, you're like, you're so dead tired. You're like thinking about being not tired, tired on a couch in your house. <laughs> uh, have you, have you ever overcome stuff like that when it does happen? Like what are steps that you n will normally would do when you're like feeling that? Because obviously when you're feeling like shit, you're like, I don't want to do anything, but I still got to do my job. Like, is there a walking process? Like, do you take like a, I don't know, like a couple of drinks or do you take like protein bars or, or OJ yourself or something? I mean, it's just once you end up playing the show, it always make, makes up for it. I mean, 9% of the time, it's a lot more fun once you're like on stage and doing stuff. Mm. But yeah, I mean, once you're traveling, you got to, the first thing I like to do is like, oh, you unless it's like nighttime is to um like do a workout or something to get yourself in that mm. area. And okay. then, yeah, if you have to like, eat some some food i mean if it's somewhere cool where they have like great food australia has great food um yeah it's like it's kind of just getting yourself planted in that place like eat something there do a little workout you know take some time to relax watch some something don't like work for a second and then try and get into the space and like acclimate i guess that's good man that's good to hear bro because the reason i bring this up is um lately i've seen we're seeing a lot of our home is in the EDM industry who are suffering from mental health, man. And it's, you have to raise awareness and all this stuff and stuff, you know, because just recently, um, rest in peace to IO Garrett Lockhart, man. Yeah. I read the, the report of the reasoning why he passed away. Everybody had the mentality that, oh, it's because, you know, he was sad and he took his life off. You know, it was suicide. The coroner said it wasn't for suicide it was actually um cardiac arrhythmia for such a young age like him you know but he That's said crazy. that the, the cardiac arrhythmia came from from mental health yeah because it was he was just mentally exhausted super you know? stressed all the time anxious yeah yeah so all that contribute to his death like it it he didn't die of, of overdose or suicidal thoughts or any other said that how many people were just spreading those rumors like that no he actually died of an unfortunate natural cause of death 
contribute from you know all that stuff you know mm-hmm. and it's always good to talk about that sort of stuff with you know with artists such as yourself that you're touring all the time and you know these are the type of stuff that you want to keep an eye on and you also want to keep uh, aware about it not just you know for yourself or for others or for me but also for our listeners our fans you know they need to know this type of stuff you know any fan that wants to be in an up and coming producer up and coming artist you know they want to be the next superstar like they you know this is the type of stuff in which we let them know it's like hey expect some of this stuff because it's not that mentality that oh don't worry i'll be fine i'll be fine like no it does happen like it's gonna come eventually and you need to take some certain steps for you to prevent some of that or not maybe not prevent it but take measures to combat it yeah so it doesn't affect your entire livelihood you know the thing is how you are like deep down inside is gonna come out that's what it is it's Mm kind of like it kind of is like somebody being sober and then having a drink or whatever and they kind of their inner stuff comes out. Yeah. It's very similar to becoming like famous in a sense. I don't, I don't whatever word you want to use, but yeah. it just brings out because you're so publicly there. So then you're trying to put this persona up, but then you need to let yourself out in certain ways. So whether it's the good and bad things, they're going to come up, come out, and right. they're going to affect you more than you think. And there's two struggles, the come up struggle when you're actually like for me, I had more trouble before I made it. Actually, I don't know if it's mm. opposite for me, but I, I, I just, it's a little bit different for me. I was more down when I was like making music earlier because I, I wanted it so badly and I didn't have it yet. So I was like mm. frustrated. Um, and I honestly, even though I do get tired and stuff, I really don't ever have um, any, you know, negative thoughts about my touring because I just try and be grateful the whole time and just like enjoy it. And if you can't enjoy yourself, you're not going to enjoy the touring. So that's a whole thing right? that, you know, sometimes has nothing to do with actually probably 90% of the time has nothing to do with the music or the touring. I know there's a few people that might get sick of it and stuff, but most of the time it's their own problems or their own jealousies or their own mm. the way people view them on, you know, social media is telling them, Oh, your last song sucked. And and then they get super insecure and then they do it in their relationships. And it's just kind of a whole, right. it's a whole battle. Like it's basically just going to bring out your problems. You got to be prepared to deal with your problems. So be honest with yourself. Oh, do I have a mental issue with suicide? Okay. I should probably start working on that before. Right. Or do I have a mental issue with my insecurities because right. a bunch of people are about to tell you, you suck or they're jealous. You know what I mean? So whatever that is, you know, dealing with that, I feel like I'm, I'm, blessed that I, I never really had any of those types of struggles mm. um, in the music industry. But um, I just, I, f- I feel like I separate myself out of it sometimes and quarantine helped with that. Yeah. Being too inside of it can also mess you up. I think I've almost helped myself out by not being in the industry so deep. That's like, those are only, those are my only friends. This is my only thing. This is like, you know what I mean? It's nice to have like outs into like, I love cars and I, and I have that as an out or, you know, like you said, video games or, Legos. You know, Legos. Yeah. Just st- things where I, I don't pay attention to, oh, this, the dubstep community or this community. Right. It's like, I just don't, as much as I love it, the, that kind of culture and the negative stuff about it, I just don't involve myself at all. Like, there's nothing you can tweet at me all of quarantine ever that's going to affect me. I've, I've been through all that. It doesn't affect me anymore. You know what I mean? I'm over it. Yeah. Preach, man. 
I'm I'm very happy to hear that stuff, you know, because not many people like are like you, you know, that actually don't really care what others think about. Like people are sometimes are too sensitive and sometimes they'll the the littlest thing you say on social media and they go off, you know, like. Yeah, it happens every day. I mean, I'm obviously I'm not immune to it. I still have feelings about it, but I try my best just to like, you know, just, not not worry about it. Yeah. Let me tell you, because uh during my Clevelander days, when when remember when I used to work in the hotel, yeah, I was struggling between making ends meet, working at the hotel, and making music. And at at one point, out of that, I was depressed all around. Yeah, and I was just like, I, I don't want to be near people because I don't need them. It's not that I need them to feel sorry about me. It's just I do not want to bring this negative vibes that I have, you know, because I'm yeah. most, most of the time, I'm just positive vibes to everybody. And, you know, let's be f- helpful. Let's be thankful for everything, you know, positive, positive, positive. But I was fighting my own demons within myself, yeah, yeah. you know, and it was very hard, especially uh, during my comments, you know, didn't make it that far. But, you know, thankfully, I was able to release some stuff and work with some people and work with talented people from different labels, you know, in some shape of ways, you know, but I had that battle and, you know, I think I was maybe I was a little bit immature in a sense, you know, like I let people, I had so many people talking shit about me, you know, even behind my back, even in front of me without even me realizing it, which is like wild that you'd be talking shit about me in front of me. And just sometimes it's like, that puts me down, you know, that's like, what do I just, why, what did I do that I I deserve this shit? So it's just like, it's some inner shit that I was dealing with, man. And at one point, Point, I thought I was just gonna give up with, with not with life, no, nah, with with music overall. You know, I wasn't, I never had those type of thoughts. But it was, it was, I was just in a dark place. And yeah, for sure. The the best way of how I actually get got out of it by spending time with my family. That helped me a lot with those all those family activities that I had with my cousins that here in South Florida. Yeah, because, because you know I'm from Puerto Rico. So the only all everybody from my family is there. The only people I got here is just my cousins, which like free people, you know. Yeah. And they even they got their own lives. So in a way, I was kind of alone. So I didn't know where to go. So whenever they got some activities, man, that helped me out a lot. Another thing was going to these trips to you know go to fucking Orlando, the feet parts, go to the water parts, going to comic cons. Like Supercon and New York Con and San Diego Con, like all that stuff. Yeah. That rate that actually lifted me up, my spirits up even more. And then the nostalgic factor kicked in on me on a high acceleration that I started back going play video games because at that time when I was working at the Clevelander, I barely played video games because I was just doing so many things that I don't yeah. even have the brain function to do so. Yeah. And once I got out of the Clevander, I was already like, all right, I'm getting out of this. I started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! And shit, that's like my favorite hobby to do right now. Yeah. I have so much fun because I remember when I was a kid playing this type of cards and then now I'm just like having fun. And ever since then, I'm just like so vibely, so happy. And then I got so many good ideas. I'm just coming out with certain stuff, you know? So one of the things that I do tell people is like when you feeling like gloom or down the lumps or are in a situation like this, try to recognize it. Seek help from somebody, like get somebody that's close to you, talk to them and, you know, do stuff that makes you happy. Like circle back. 
Let's go back to the beginning. What was the first thing that made you happy? Oh, was this? Well, start doing it. Go biking. Go jet skiing. Go cano- uh, canoe. Go skydiving if, if you fucking want to. Go jump up a building. <laughs> don't don't jump up the building, by the way. <laughs> I was this, like, uh... I'm, I'm probably getting off it up. But I'm trying to make a point, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, just start doing things that make you happy again, you know? So that way, you know, it gives you... Believe it or not, doing stuff like that, it brings back positive energy to you, you know, whether yeah, you believe 100%. it or not, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's literally the reason that like the PlayStation 2 and like, and um, I don't know, even like cars, I used to look up cars on Craigslist all the time right. and do all this stuff. And I used to play PlayStation 2. And those are things that like, they're just like, there's like, you know, your own moments that you can enjoy without anything being attached to it. And that does give me ideas and like makes me think of music and things to do. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. That's good, man. And and tell me, what is your normal schedule throughout the week? Every week, how's how does it look on the nitty gritty life? Um, it's pretty different in terms of like exact hours. But if I have something I really want to work on, a random idea, I'll put down anything for that. Pretty much, mm. like if, if I'm able to, I'll just be like, oh shit, that's a good idea. I always have that. And then other than that, it's kind of just okay. I need to finish this song for this release. I need to send this couple beats to there, um, maybe do some production for somebody else. And then the shows are now scheduling in. So it's basically just a, a an open, you know, schedule of like mixing all the production and the shows. And then my free time, I just, you know, I live with Gigi now. So like we kind of have our own space and I get to just relax and do that stuff. Um, so it's a, it's a really nice, healthy balance. I'm excited for this time to tour because I think I'll be able to really come back and um, have it like very, very bad. I was pretty balanced before, but I think I'm, I'm, I've even learned from that how to even balance it better. So I'm excited. That's good to hear, man. One of the questions I have for you was how, what was your creative process and all this? You kind of actually like answer right, right there, you know, like what actually goes through nitty gritty when it comes to start making a song, like any song, like, is there like, do you start by the drop? Do you start with the playing the piano in a sense, you know, you start the drums, like what's the creative process behind the mind of it? I think it's always just whatever the part that was inspired. So Mm -hmm. like, if there's an actual inspiration for, Oh, like I have these two reggae songs, kind of, kind of not reggae, but like reggae mixed with a little bit of, of like dubstep electronic music. Yeah. And I remember it's because I was just like singing along to something in my head. Like normally when I'm work when I'm not doing anything is when I come up with good ideas. So like right. either working out or like taking a shit or something, you just come up with a with a good idea and uh it's a shitty idea. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> um You're already at the dad jokes, bro. Yeah, right. I'm that's how you know I'm old. Uh, <laughs> it's usually when you're doing something other than music. Not every time. Sometimes mm. I sit down and I I do a song and I make a good song. That happens too. But I'm so open to any version of it. Whenever it hits me or comes in or I get an idea, that's when I strike. When it's hot, when the oven's hot, I go in and I, I cook. You know what I mean? I'm not like, sweet. I don't sit here all day and just produce. I used to do that to get my level up. But now I'm so fast. If I just have an idea, I can do it in a day and I can start mm. it. So it's like, I, I rely more on my inspiration in life to bring me ideas. And then if I see something on TikTok or I see something here, I'm like, oh, that's a cool idea. Then I start versus the other way around. People sit down and force themselves to make music. It's not bad, but I know the difference for like, I used to do that because I I had to learn how to get quick, how to understand compression, how to have good drums and stuff. Um, That's another, if you're going to sit down at a computer, one of my favorite ways is to watch a, like I literally just sit down and listen to a bunch of YouTube, like old music, new music, Mm. SoundCloud, 
go on splice, go through loops. It's all inspiration. That's all I do. I just sit there and listen, 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 and I acquire it. And then that gives me ideas. That's actually pretty good advice, man. And it's a good thing that you actually let them, let the people know, you know, because sometimes, you know, inspiration usually comes. And I usually tell this to a lot of people. Inspiration usually comes when you're not actually doing it, sitting down in the laptop. Usually it comes out when you're doing something that you practice on it every day. So it's funny how the mi human body and the mind really works because it usually at comes when, when you're eating, when you're brushing your teeth, When you're taking and you're separate, that's shit. Really common. It is. Really. And I got to go beyond that. But yeah, example, taking a shit. Um, showering. When you're driving in the car, when you're doing something that you normally do, when you're exercising, these are like the stuff that you are programmed to do on a daily basis every day. You know, you're already like programmed to do that. Yeah. And usually it's like you say, it's when those times that you usually do that because You already set up. It's already automatic. Like your body does it for you. You don't have to think about it. That's where your brain actually gives like an empty space of room. For you to get an idea. Yeah. Yeah. I look at it as like um, when you have a hard drive and you're trying to clear up the hard drive, but you got so many stuff in the hard drive. So what you do is that you normally will take some of that space and you got that hard drive, you know, empty. And now the computer can actually like move a little bit faster now that you have that empty space, you know? Mm -hmm. You got to have open hands to, to receive. That's, that's my favorite. Um, you know what I mean? Like if someone's, if someone's about to give you an idea and your hands are closed because you're holding something else, mm. I, how am I going to get that? So if this is a great idea that's just floating here, but you're on this, you're thinking about relation, you're thinking about all this random shit. Yeah. Sometimes it can hurt because you can't grab onto it. Whereas when you're doing those things that you're talking about, you're not holding on it. You're literally just this nothing in your head. Like unless you're upset or something. That that's a whole nother form that, of it. Yeah, but, that's a whole different story. But it, yeah, those you can actually get inspiration from that too. But I guess those random ones is normally, like you said, when you're actually open and free and you're not, right. you know, something just pops in there because it's Your brain's like, well, I'm bored. Let's think of something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, man. You took the words out of my mouth. Thank you. Now, how normally does a song usually last when you say like, okay, it's done. Let's go. Like, how's that? You know, how long does it take you to finish a song that you know you've worked for this? Most of the time I can do the track within a day or two, maybe, maybe three. Golly, you're a But, fucking Terminator. Jesus. <laughs> The thing is like getting vocals and features is mm. usually the, the harder part. Okay. Um, coming up with a concept can be hard sometimes, but I mean, if I have a good idea already of it, I can do it in a couple of days. And then right before the release, I'll touch it up. So like to make it, make sure it's pretty decently. I don't mix and master. I, I learned this like the hard way. I don't mix and master until like two weeks before the release. Like I don't touch it. Because you're going to continue going and going and going and going for like five months doing the same shit. You might as well just skip all the in-between and just do it at the end. Really? So like I technically do my mix and master while I produce. So it's True. not like it sounds like shit, but I don't like go in and focus, focus. I just make it sound good. Send the demo to the label or to whatever the team. Hey, this is the thing. Do the music video. And then right before the release, I go in with fresh, fresh ears. The other thing is I don't like to burn myself out. So I don't listen to the song over and over. I literally sometimes forget. I'm like, okay, back. Okay, cool. And then I like it again because I'm not burning out the song. Because mm. like sometimes I can do it and, you know, 
Once I have like a release plan though, that's when I finish the song. And usually by then you're this, there's a couple new samples, a couple new this, maybe a new style that you can finish it or you learn this. So it's like better to have your most recent ear mm-hmm. do the work and not your six months ago ear. Well, that's actually pretty interesting because usually that's how I go about like I mix and master as I as I'm doing the song, you know, probably the mastering part is the last part that I will do. And usually I'll just use Ableton stock plugins because again, we can have a debate whether third party plugins is able to stop plugins are better than the other. Like we can be here all night about that. But I believe that if it sounds good with whatever you got, you don't really need to spend that much money um, getting these third party plugins. You know, like I did the 90 percent. No, more. 97% of my projects are all Ableton stop plugins. The 3% is usually Zerum Portal, which is a granular synthesizer. That's what I do now. Every time I sound design, I basically do the Serum, flatten, resample it, slap Portal, do a bunch of shit with, with Portal, get a new sound. Boom. There you go. That's yeah. my new sound. And then Fat Filter. Those are like... Yeah, Fat Filter is good. I, like, those are like the only free that I say like I paid this money and it, and I got my money's worth about it. Ozone, yeah. I stopped using Ozone for a while because it got to a point that I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't doing much and usually my sounds, my project sounded better with the stop plugins than it was with the Ozone. Maybe Ozone would have gotten a little bit more detail to it, but I feel like somehow it kind of end up with the same results in a way, I guess, if you know what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, you, can, you you go through plugins. Like in the beginning, everybody buys everything. And then at the yeah. end, you end up using the same 10. Yeah. Yeah, basically. It's that, like everybody. That, so that's how I go about it, you know? And, and, it's, and it's good that we're actually talking about, you know, releases because I was actually about to talk about, you know, labels in, the, in this little subject right now. So in any of these songs, when you send out these songs to these labels, how many of these labels do, you know, respond to you and say yay or nay? I mean, at this point, I can send it to any label, but, you know, it's usually a 50-50. They, they pretty much all know me and I have relationships with, like, all the electronic music labels and stuff. But, um, you know... It's not like a butthurt thing. Like if they tell me they don't, it's not good for them. I just move on and then I mm-hmm. self-release. It's not like a. I used to be. Also, they used to have much more power. I think like now my self-release can do the same amount mm-hmm. as a as a label. So it makes it easier for me to just be like, okay, that if they take it or don't take it, I'm not mad. I'm still friends with all those guys and mm-hmm. all my management knows all the people there. So we don't have a bad relationship. It's just hey, if it's right for the label, we'll do it. If not, I'll do it myself. And that's all. That's how I look at it. Every Every lease is just different depending on the person. So at, was it like that at the beginning of your career no. when you started? No, it's opposite. It's kind of like you want to rely on it and, and like you think like, oh, if they don't take it, my song sucks. And um, maybe it was a crappy song back then. Who knows? Could still be crappy. I, you never know at this point. Nah, but, nah. Um, I, 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 I'm speaking <laughs> as a fan, as as your brother and as somebody who can actually be a criticism for somebody. Your shit was always on top level shit. Like, I appreciate there's, it, man. there's never, a, there was never, to this day, there hasn't been a song that I've heard about it that will say, man, bro, this is not the best work you've ever done. Not <laughs> one. So I I'll tell you, that, it's it, at that, where those people were rejected you, yeah, they were just being haters. No, no. I mean, it, you know, it happens. You, you, you change and 
once you learn the process of what a label does, you realize, oh, they take the song, they package it together, send it out, get some people to run some playlists. And it's just a whole whole thing. Once you understand what it does, mm. you get a better relationship because you can be like, hey, I can do this by myself. And then once you do it yourself and you have some success, then they come knocking and they come back. And then you can decide like, you know, I remember I, I did like a spin in talent pool years ago. And then I just was like, all right, they're never going to answer, blah, blah, blah. Did my own thing, built it up. And then, you know, I've released EPs and singles with them. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, like I have a Never Say Die release coming out with um, with Ivory on his EP. Oh, so, like it just depends on on who, you know, the certain it's a super heavy dubstep song, obviously. So it makes sense. And then we're back with uh, Never Say Die. Yeah, well, just that one song, and then Wakan. I have one with um, Hydraulics. Just like these are songs we've worked on during quarantine that I just right. wanted to have out. Um, but like most of my upcoming music is all on my own self-release. So now it's very interesting because I do remember when you were starting out as Nitty Greedy, you self-released your songs, you know, at a certain point. And then I don't know at what point did it change a little bit that you started releasing on blogs and stuff. Now, mm-hmm. what what is your opinion about self-release as an independent versus releasing on a label? You just got to be prepared to put down the money and put the work in. That's really the only difference. The only thing a label does is they have more manpower and more money. That's the only reason um, you go to a label is if they know what they're doing and they know how to spend the money and they know how to put their people to work. So if you have a team mm-hmm. or if you yourself can learn how to use TuneCore, how to properly send it to editorials on Spotify, how to properly distribute through TuneCore, how to properly spend some money on ad buys on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you know whatever you need to spend your money on, you don't need a label. But if you're not used to all that, you're going to need to build that relationship with them mm-hmm. and learn from them. And then, you know, that's basically what we did. We just, I, we've had so many contracts, so many things from labels, like we just ended up learning it ourselves. And um, so now we really only do it if there's a whole plan in line. Like I worked with Proximity recently and they're super dope and, you know, where I belong and Matrix came out with them and it was great. So I, I don't think one or the other is better or worse. I, I like self-releasing because it's a bit easier and you keep all the money too. Right. Um, so it's nice when stuff like, you know, my, my, my years ago, say la vie, that EP with like, um, 1125 and, and stuff like that. Like I still make, even though it's not the most dream stuff, like that stuff still actually makes me more money sometimes than something like crack, which was signed to, um, musical. To, yeah, it's TSOs. And I love that we released it with them. So it's not a bad thing. But just to go to show that when you own your master rights, you do make more money. So you just play it out. If one was to build my career and get association, oh, I've released on Tiesto's label. He played it at Ultra. That's good for the brand. And then release on thing, boom, you made more money from this. You gotta, you gotta probably play both sides of the table, in my opinion, right now, mm. to correctly learn how to navigate. You, you want to be doing both, in my opinion. If you can get a label deal that's decent for the song or the EP, I would recommend it. I wouldn't recommend signing to anybody unless it's like the commitments there. But 99% of the time, you're probably too small. You don't want a label deal till you're Rihanna. <laughs> that, that, that's interesting, man, because I was actually about to qu- ask you that. Like, would you go or would you rather go as an independent artist or sign to a label? 
and what are, what do you think are like the benefits of one or the other? It's uh, it's the same answer every time. It's a machine. The only reason I would sign to a label is when I feel like they give me a deal that's worthwhile for whatever it is. Say it's three albums, and they only want to give me like you know. 500k or something i'd be like hell no we'll make we'll make that eventually in royalties and stuff over the course of a couple of years so is it really or if they're like yo we want two albums and we're gonna destroy this and front 10 million dollars so that you can become the biggest artist in your in your area that's you know what i mean that's diplo didn't sign a deal until he was like 40 years old you know what i mean and now every single song he drops has a great plan a great thing you know everything works out same thing you know for certain other artists that I can mention that it's not a bad thing. They're not in these shitty deals because they're so big. So it's really just gauging that none of us, even up to my level, are probably at the time to sign a label deal. I'm being honest. Anybody at my size or lower should probably not be signing a label deal unless mm. there's a huge commitment or there's a team or somebody on the label that you trust with your life. But again, that's always, you know, that's always difficult. But I right can almost recommend against it. Doing singles and EPs on labels, super smart. Builds your brand association. Right. You yourself signed to a label, there's just, you're never gonna get the full potential out of it unless they can guarantee building you, which is mostly none of us. Like none, there's no labels coming to us right now and being like, hey, we want to make you that. You have to prove it. You know what I mean? You gotta be big on yeah. TikTok or be big on something. So pretty much a a no from me to actually sign yourself 360 deal to a label mm. until you know what I mean? You're at that point where you're so big that you're going to get enough press and money for it. I mean, and most of the times when you're signing those 360 deals, sometimes these artists, it could be as big as you, you know, they don't really read the contracts or if they don't really read the contracts, their management team don't really know how to negotiate it or well i mean yeah you need a lawyer you, you can't need a, yeah managers don't read contracts i yeah. don't read, like i read them but i don't understand all of it i have to have my lawyer explain it to me well i don't i don't have a lawyer so i have to learn how to read contracts and every time i read a contract or like i reread it like 10 times until i guide it and then sometimes there's even worse that i don't understand I will go to Mike or Cheryl, you know, for, hey, what do you think what this yeah. means or so, you know? And sometimes I go to Google and, and write, you know, um, on these forums, these lawyer forums, you know, and sometimes I go to the dictionary and like, what does this word mean? What does this mm -hmm. phrase mean? And stuff like that. And I learn, you know, and sometimes when you see stuff, you know, you that's where you got to go back to. It's like, hey, I don't like this, this and that. And that's how you form some of stuff. Now, the majority of the people that we normally see get screwed over like 20 years later. And you still see them, you know, still making music all because of that bad 360 deal that they make. You know, they get they get their money up front, realizing that uh, that's not really their money. That's just a loan from the label telling you, like, use this money to build your shit. And I mean, then, that's my point right there is if you don't even understand it, don't. Yeah, that's yeah. that's number one reason you're not in the position. You, you have to be so far along that you understand and take advantage of it. If you don't know how to do that, you don't do it. Yeah. No point. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Man. So let's go switch topics now from the from label talking. And now let's go about what's going on around the music scene. Like, have you noticed a new trends or have you noticed a new styles, some new waves or, or how the people are reacting to now the music? Now that touring life is about to hit, 
Like now that the festivals are opening, you know, like what are the reactions to people? Because, you know, in a sense, we're still in a pandemic. People are are still not taking the vaccine and people can get sick of COVID still in a mm -hmm. way. So what are your thoughts of how, you know, things are turning back to normalcy in a way? I mean, now that I'm playing shows again, it's kind of like I'm seeing it, it turn slowly. So it's been interesting to see who stayed relevant. That's the biggest change mm. is that, you know, even everybody had a little downshift except for the people that had online presence. So it just further proved doing the TikToks and the Instagrams and all and doing social media helps music. It's that's just the main thing I think is going on. TikTok has literally changed the game for emerging artists. Half the people that came out new yeah. are from that app. So, you know what I mean? Like there's just so many uh reasons to be doing social media and taking it seriously. Mm. and um, posting on there and stuff. So I think that's like half the battle is getting getting uh, some type of voice on social media and building it up slowly. Because that will really, that's how fans are going to actually want to go see you and interact is if they see something that they like from you already, then they'll go to your show. So I guess allowing people to have that connection and it can be the the music can be the content. It doesn't have to be dumb, jokey shit. You know, you can literally be posting raw clips and edits and little things and people will react to that and that can be enough so it's not to say you have to like be doing tiktok dances or anything like that you don't have to be corny but you gotta do something right so i think that's the main thing is putting it like i've been actually working on a bunch of music videos that was my favorite part Ooh. about quarantine i've never really worked on them but now that we had so much time i was like fuck it let's do this i had a lot of fun doing it and then you know i feel like nitty's like a, a an interesting thing because everybody in electronic music kind of had their like down moment and now I feel like it's like a reset. Like I get to reprove myself and like re kind of imagine, Hey, like, you know what? I'm booked at these festivals for the, for a reason. Come watch my set and you'll find right. out and then lead that into the next, you know, version of, of nitty gritty and stuff like that. So I think it's just accumulated over the years to turn into social media produces pop stars and shit now. And if you can, you know, fit in with just your music and, be posting about that that still that still works you just really got to find a little bit of of a niche group of your fans first mm -hmm. and then expand it's really all it is you you get a couple people expand on that and then you slowly build that that's it's it's not changed it's just where you go to get those fans so right now it would be tiktok and and um that's like a huge part of it so yeah i'd say getting on those platforms it really is the biggest difference um in my opinion. I was actually about to talk to you about the whole marketing thing. Like, you know, you you basically uh, I went ahead and answered my question before I even say it. So thank you. Oh, for, okay. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> no, but I do want to say like, um, is, is that what, what goes behind the mindset of when you're marketing yourself as a producer and as nitty gritty, you know, on any of these platforms? So I'm like refining it. What? I was just doing random shit posts all in quarantine and, you know, there's some music stuff, but now we're back to the, you know, regularly scheduled programming. So to me, it's just looking the part, you know what I mean? Like I want to tour the world and be a, a massive DJ that plays main stages and this, like, that's what I want to be. So to look like that, I portray myself on social media as that because I, I, I enjoy it. That's what I want to do. So I, I feel like you also have to want to do it or else it's going to be really tough 
You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I literally enjoy playing those, those types of sets. I don't want to just play all rhythm and all dubstep and just be right. banging my head the whole time. I actually do enjoy playing mainstream music. So it's not a hard thing for me to act that part and dress with some cool random clothes that I like that are colorful or some random shit, have some, some photos, some raw clips of me actually doing a heavy song or actually doing a, a single, you know, things like that. Um, it's just, it's just work. People don't like to admit that social media is work. They just think it's secondary, but it's mm. not. You put time and effort into it every single day. And that's the best way to pair it with music because then people have an identity to match it with. And people almost like the identity more than the music sometimes. So I think that's why it's like, you know, a marshmallow thing. It just right. almost doesn't even matter what he releases. Yeah. It's Tim. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I say that in a good way, honestly. No, of course. You know, but I mean, I remember when you started off as you wearing the bunny suit yeah exactly that shit was fun to me i, yeah. I still have that suit well, you should wear it sometime again. pull it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that shit was fun it's like i i enjoyed these fun like shows and partying and and doing it in my own way i, I feel like it was just different for me to do it because i enjoyed it so if right. that's if you can find that type of voice and you're more dark or you're more this or that that's fine you got to lean into it you know what i mean I feel like I am the more like crowd pleasing, having fun with everybody, not right. just one single person. It's like, I'm like, okay, if you're not dancing, I'm going to get you next drop. If you're not dancing, I'll get you in 20 minutes. If you're not dancing, okay, let's try that. You know what I mean? Like, that's what's really fun to me. It's kind of like why I like the whole, I guess, main stage idea is because right. it's almost like a challenge to me that I'm going to try and win the whole crowd over. You know what I mean? That's wild, man. I like that. I like that, man. Now, we got a, at least a, a few more questions, man, and we can wrap this up, man. All right. Dope, dope. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, you know, that a lot of one of the many questions I get from people to me and I am like, did you listen to my podcast? Like, seriously? Like, I, I literally answered these questions on my podcast through many episodes, but I'll, I guess I'll ask this question again to someone like yourself, you know? So hopefully now the people can actually stop asking me the same thing. Um, <laughs> when you're like the whole term of writer's blog, when you have the writer's blog, what do you do? Should you go out and do other shit outside of your normal norm to get off that block or you should you just like stay and produce and do stuff that's related to you producing so that way you can get that writer block or you don't believe in writer's block i think i know writer's block exists mm. i just never consider myself in a writer's block mm. because i think you have to really give up on yourself to have it really? i just i don't have that capacity most of the time like if i'm giving up on myself that I don't feel like I can make music, I don't even try. Mm. I'll take a day off. I don't think forcing it is ever healthy, but I almost never have that because that has happened where I'm just like, all right, today's not the day. I'm just not going to do it. I've done that before, but I don't consider when I sit down and I'm kind of feeling a little inspired. And then, you know, when you're like, oh, this sounds like shit, that type of writer's block, not being good at putting your ideas down doesn't mean you have writer's block. And I think a lot of people in electronic music confuse that. They're like, oh, I have writer's block. I'm writing crappy dubstep. And I'm like, maybe your dubstep is just crappy. It's not writer's block. You wrote what you wanted to write. Your idea was crappy. Like what you put, or sorry, not your idea was crappy. Your execution was crappy. You know what I mean? And pe people would rather blame it on writer's block. I'm telling this super harshly because I don't think anybody talks about this, but like 
your writer's block might not be writer's block. Real writer's block is not what most people experience. To me, a real writer's block would be John Mayer going in the studio and not being able to make something that he likes, which is like, put, put it on that level. One of the best musicians alive. Whoa. Not being able to do it, that's a writer's block. But if you're just not that good at music yet, which is, which is fine, I don't think you're experiencing writer's block. I think you're just still learning how to put your ideas down in a good way. I don't think it's writer's block. That's the, that's the main, 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 main thing. And to get out of that, you know, that type of writer's block, yeah. that's a whole different thing. You literally have to get better at making the technical thing. So recording yourself right. or compressing your vocals or picking the right drums and sounds, which is half the battle where I don't know many people that get writer's block once I feel like they actually are good at putting down ideas. You know, that's when I'm like, okay, maybe you really do like somebody like, you know, um, like one of my, my good friends in, in dubstep Kyle company, like when I Yo, see him tweet, Kyle. I have a, yeah. When he has like a writer's block, I'm yeah. like, that's a real writer's block because he knows how the fuck to put down any idea. He's that good. But that is the version of writer's block where you're just uninspired mm. and you got to take a day off, take a day off, you know, chill. And then for that, I would always say same thing. I sit on YouTube. And I watch music video. Like right. I like being stimulated. Instead of just listening to the music, sometimes I watch the video. Or sometimes I just listen to the audio. Or I watch some other random stuff. Or then I go on Splice and just listen to stuff. Or I go on Spotify, listen to the, the charts and see this style, that style, this. And then another good one is listening to music you like. So if you there's a song that you actually enjoyed back from when you were a kid, like a Blink-182 song, just listen yeah. to that for a second. And listen to something that was not writer's block. And then, you know, one of those things is going to get you out of a real writer's block because once you're, once you're experienced and you know how to get down good ideas, yeah. let yourself do a random idea. If you're like writer's block and dubstep, go to trap. If you're writer's block and trap, go to house. If you're writer's block and house, get the fuck out of EDM music and make a country song or a pop song or try and force yourself to get out of your, your habit. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. I just think people got to be honest with themselves and not blame being not good, which is fine. I'm not saying to me, but if you're not good at producing yet, it's not a writer's block. You're just not good yet. So you got to continue practicing to get good. You know what I mean? Right. At least to a certain level that you're happy with yourself. Cause that type of writer's block just means you're being honest that this isn't good enough. That's fine. That's a good step, but at least admit to yourself, Oh, I don't think this is good enough. It's not a writer's block. You know what I mean? There's a huge difference. That's good, man. I couldn't have said it any better, man. That's good, bro. And people need to listen to this part because, you know, I guess it, it falls down at the fantasy versus reality aspect, whether you're fantasizing like you're making the hottest shit and reality is uh, hot shit <laughs> in a way, you know? I've done it too. So it's not even if it makes anybody feel better. That still happens to me this day where I make something and I'm like, This isn't writer's block. I just didn't make something good. Right. It happens. It literally happens to everybody. It has happened to me so many times. And even, even, even times that I release music from labels in which I look at myself like, why the fuck did I make this song? <laughs> yeah, oh. that still happens. That happens to everybody. Yikes. So when it comes to actually sound designing where do you stand on it do you think sound designing is a luxury or do you think it's a necessity as a producer it's definitely a necessity but what another myth buster is how to sound design most kids in electronic music think that it's sitting on serum 
and going like this until it sounds good. That is one form. That's one form of sound design, but people don't understand that audio manipulation, taking a one shot sample or a loop and sound designing that is also sound design or recording a vocal and doing something with it is sound design taking like all that stuff is sound design. So like, just because you might not be good at watching somebody make a dubstep sound doesn't mean your sound design is bad. You, you might be like, I always felt like I was better at sound designing, like in drums and in audio and stuff. And then once I started getting better at serum, I was like, okay, no, I, I have a good hold on it. I can still, I can still find my way around it. But most of the time I don't sit there making growls anymore or anything like that. Um, right. If I have to do it, I will, but 90% of the time I can, find a way to get something out with uh with audio or something but you know it's still it's still important i think to learn it i just don't limit yourself to think oh i have to make the craziest serum sound sometimes there's easy ways to manipulate audio um into into really cool sounds thank you for saying it because you have no idea how many times i've said it over here saying like guys it's not about fucking serum i have a whole process of just sounding sounding one sound to get on one drop like i had to go through serum once i got the sound that i like i i go resample add a few effects resample again go to portal resample go some lfos go some corpus go some other shit and then Boom, there, there's my entire drop. Like, it's not just, oh, I did, you know, serum. Let me just, you know, do the drop out of serum. That's all I needed. Like, no, there's more than that that meets the eye. And people just assume that just serum is like the one all to be all, you know? Yeah, it's a great learning sp space. But yeah, there's other ways to do it. And, it. and it just depends. I guess I've been producing so many other types of music outside of dubstep and trap that I just don't even think about it like that anymore. Like mm -hmm. I finally feel like I've matured to the point where I don't just have this battle of, oh, who makes the coolest wub? So I think when you're in that and you're starting out, that is what you care about. So that's fine. I don't think it's a bad thing. I still, to this day, love doing that shit. It's not... It's not like I don't enjoy making super crazy, weird, heavy dubstep and trap sounds. It's super fun. But I guess you get to a point where when you want to expand and if if you've already toured playing that music for years, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. let's try something new. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's that's another writer's block thing is trying some some stuff that's not like that. You know what I mean? Now, what do you go about when it comes to collaboration? Because I feel like sometimes collaborations may be... I look at... Sometimes it may be a... Something that can enables you and push you forward. And sometimes it could be a huge anchor to you in which you're not going anywhere. What's your thought process about that? So there's only two ways I collab and it's usually it goes like this. Either I have an idea that I love so much and I imagine somebody making it better, mm -hmm. which is so like, um, for example, the, the ivory song. Right. That I started, I had a vocal with Shaquille O'Neal and it's this crazy heavy dubstep, but I was like, man, he's heavier than me. I need this motherfucker to go even crazier than what I did. Mm. So I sent it to him like with the first intro, the vocals, the first drop and stuff. And then he sent me back some dope added horns, some stuff like that. And then a whole new second drop. So it was like the perfect, like, I, I like having an idea of what I want first and then sending it and then vice versa. He was, I was like, Hey man, if you need uh, me to work on something, I'll, I'll be billed on that one. So he was like, Oh yeah, I have this idea. It's super heavy dope. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'm down for that. So I just, same thing. He had more of the idea and then I did the, the second drop and then he even messed around with my second drop crazier too. So when you have the idea ready to go, it's easier. Those are like my two favorite ways is when somebody sends me an idea that 
spark something and I'm like, oh, I can do this. Or when I have the spark, I know this person will kill this. That's like my favorite two ways. So what what the two times that I've sent you a son that you were down to collaborate, is it because I had an idea that you were like, holy shit about it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. There's always like, oh, that's a sick idea. I bet I could do something cool to it. Fuck, bro. I should have released those sons when I had the chance, man. <laughs> fucking A, bro. This is what happens when you don't answer my fucking tats. <laughs> Anyways, guys, don't worry about it. I'm not screaming at him. This is just little beefs that me and Needy have on a occasional stuff. Good thing we're on Zoom. I'd be getting punched. I'm... Yeah, no, yeah. You ain't getting my punches. I mean, you may be bigger than me, but I don't don't let my fattiness fool you, all right? <laughs> calm down. Calm down. Bajarelo, yeah. <laughs> now. We're going to wrap this up with three more questions and we're out of this. All right, man. Dope. All right. Because I know you're tired, man. I don't want to take you long. <laughs> yeah. No. One of the things I wanted to ask you is up to date, up to now, what has been your greatest accomplishment? It could be in general, music, career. I think something I've always looked at personally that was just a dream of mine was to, there's like, I guess I'll, I'll, I can limit it to two things. Okay. I One is touring. Mm. I remember when I, went to school. I literally wrote a Ricky Mears song called Strada. Yeah. Which, which means road in Italian. Yeah. And it was literally about like going on the road, like literally touring pretty much. So like that was like always something that I was thinking about and even writing music about. Side note, guys, that's my all time favorite song from him. Like that's hey. like my number one. First is Strada and then it comes Crack and then it comes some of his earlier stuff like oh the spider remits that you made oh yeah yeah man those are those are some og yeah. like ricky mears nitty so like that that touring was like meant so much to me to be able to go out and play shows mm. to people and then secondly the whole grammy Oof. the latin grammy was was a lot and the nomination this year was a huge just like it's just kind of like some things i just think of as accomplishments and those are them so those make me feel like i've you know done some of these goals I've wanted to accomplish. That's uh, that's amazing, bro. I mean, congratulations on the Latin Grammy and the Grammy nominee. You know, Appreciate that's it, brother. as a huge fan, especially from an EDM producer. You know, I, not yeah. everybody, not every producer from the EDM scene gets to be a Grammy or nominee Grammy, whatever you like. I know TSO has a few, but you don't get to hear that that often. You know, mm -hmm. I know a few other artists has it, but then again, you know, it's it's very rare. It's it's very, very rare. Most of the time, it's just house DJs, you know, how and people mm -hmm. from that genre usually are the ones who get it because it's it's literally close to the mainstream. And, you know, that's where all these well-known mainstream artists fuck with, you know, they fuck with the mainstream shit. I mean, Florida mm -hmm. made a whole career out of that. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, you know, congratulations on that, bro. I really Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. What are you currently doing now and what do you hope to accomplish for it? So, I mean, the, the nitty gritty stuff is going to be exciting because I want to kind of re not rebrand it, but I want to get back to like when I first started, it all was like, this is what I do. I make music, I DJ electronic stuff, and I, and I want to make mainstream stuff into the funnest party possible. So I want to go back to like reiterating that whole thing and not trying to like outdo the dubstep DJs are out, do this. It's, it's like less about like looking, I guess, you know, cool in the eyes of other producers and stuff like that. It's more right. like, no, I want to make a good brand and play massive festivals and have the funnest time touring. And um, 
you know, it just depends on what becomes important to you. And, and that's like kind of what I enjoy is playing those really fun, you know, shows where I can play whatever genres I want. And um, yeah, that's like more important to me than anything else. So it'll be fun to release that type of music soon. That's that's dope, man. That's dope. One final question and we can wrap this up, man. So let's just say that there's these aliens. They come over to Earth and they just spotted you and say, we need your intelligence to do something, man. Only you can do it, man. But before they take you on, on the ship, they ask you, before we take you, leave three pieces of advice for somebody to take on. What would you write for that, those three pieces of advice to someone? Is this like life advice or music advice or what? In general, it could be anything. Life, music, oh, you know. What are free advice that you will give to somebody? I feel like the first one is kind of like a pair because okay. they, they, they kind of mean basically saying one thing, but it's kind of a simultaneously like standing up for yourself and being able to say no to people and not giving a fuck what people say about that. That mm. alone is a huge, like being able to tell people, no, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. And I'm confident in that decision. And I don't care what you think about it because a lot of people... I've done it before. I try to please everybody and say yes. And I, I wasted a lot of energy on that. And I'm yeah. a lot happier just being honest. Like, hey, no, I don't want, I don't really know you that well. I, I don't want to hang out. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't have that much thing. Or, hey, man, I like your music. I just, I, I don't want to collab right now. Or like just, and then having people like come at you for reasons of, oh, you changed or this. And it's like, I, I know I haven't changed. I'm just learning to not overextend myself to I have a close-knit group of people and that's all I can really you know rely on so that's definitely a huge piece for me I'd say the second is is actually impossible one but getting as close to possible of you know being open-minded and not judgmental to like every single person treating every single person yes you know as a as an equal it's it's difficult um but yeah I think that's a huge huge one And then um, lastly, I mean, just doing something that you love. You're not going to enjoy life unless you do that. I think those are the three. If, if you're not enjoying something, you know, you, there's literally no point to living. So <laughs> if it's at least you're doing some of your time, I'm not saying everybody has the luxury to do it 100% of the time. Right. None of us do. Even I don't enjoy sometimes parts of my job, but as long as the majority of my time or at least some of that time is spent doing something I love, that's makes it all worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I 100% agree with you on all those aspects, man. And and I liked the second one a lot, you know, because in today's world, it's, it's very sad, you know, and I feel like that's the missing piece from everyone, you know, the missing to understand each other, you know, not being open-minded. I feel like that should be like the biggest thing you should ever be as a human being. Be open-minded learn to understand each other, learn to understand each other's pain, because that's how we can understand as a human, you know? And if we understand each other's pains, I think we, the world could be in a better world, a safer world, I, I guess, you know? But I feel it's not impossible. I feel it is something possible. It's just, it takes time. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate, it, but it takes time. It, it, it can happen, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Thank you very much, Needy Grady, man. Thank you, brother, for coming into my show, man. Yeah, before, for sure, man. Had a good talk. Before we wrap this up, plug yourself out, you know, let the whole world, if, if there's any up, 
upcoming songs coming in soon. Let the whole world know which tours or festivals you're coming in anytime soon. Just get it out of your chest right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I got a bunch of new... I don't know when when this is going to air or whatever, but I, I just released a remix pack for Where I Belong and I have um that that new song with Timmy Trumpet. Um, yeah, we got so many. I have a, a collab coming out soon with... Um, Valentino Khan, me and Wookie are going to play SMF. There's a lot of fun, fun things coming up. Uh, me and Blunts and Blondes have a record dropping soon with a music video. I'm excited for that. Yeah, so it's a lot of, a lot of just so much stuff. It's just pay attention to the, you know, DJ Nitty Gritty accounts on Instagram, Twitter, and I'll be posting about it. Dope, dope. And side piece, is anything coming from side piece anytime? Yeah, soon? sorry, I didn't even, I didn't even think about it. even, even crazier on that end. You know, just a bunch of festivals and uh, and shows coming up for us. And the release schedule is less hectic because we kind of just get together and make and choose. We're very picky about releasing, which is good. I, I enjoy it like that. But um, yeah, there's definitely new music coming out and and finally shows for us. So it'll be great. Dope, man. Dope. Ricky, thank you very much for coming in. I really, you have no idea how grateful I am for you to come to my show, man. It is an honor and privilege to have you in this show, man. That's one of my guests, bro. Of course, brother. You know, I got you. Thank you very much, brother. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. And remember, every week is a brand new episode with a brand new topic. So be sure to like and subscribe for your weekly episodes at the Lone Wolf Podcast for SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and of course, the YouTube channel at LoneWolfPod.com. That's LoneWolfPod.com. Comment down below. Let me hear your thoughts. Share your experience. If you guys got a certain topic that you want me or want Ricky to discuss about it on the next time, please let us know. Add us. Hit us up. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys at the next one. Deuces. Deuces.